0: Get right into scripture today, and I'm going to talk to you today about words. Words. How many of you are excited to hear about words today? Uh, How many hope there's not been a recorder in your home this past week to record everything that's been said? Uh, You know, words are powerful. Words are powerful. And You know, in in preparing messages, we spend a lot of time digging through Scripture, praying, and and getting direction from God. And i got to tell you, I had to delete so much content from all that I had because there's a lot in the Bible about our words, about the things that we say. And I'm a pastor. If you're new to the bridge, I'm a pastor. That's that's my calling. I have a pastor's heart. Every now and then, I share a message that's a really pastoral message. Today's one of those messages where I really want to talk... The church want to talk to us about where we are in the world, what we're doing in the world and the words that we speak. You know, Solomon in Proverbs 18 said death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What he's saying is the course of our life is oftentimes set in action by the words that we speak. And I'll get into this more later, and that's because our words come from down here. James in the New Testament, in his epistle to the church, made this statement. He said, we all stumble in many things. Can I get a witness of that here today? Okay. To everybody else, I'll talk to the Pharisees a little bit later, because I have a piece in my message for that. (laughs) We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, perfect woman, and Whenever you see the word perfect in the New Testament and it's talking about people, the word literally means mature, complete. So if we're careful with our words, it's a sign of maturity. We're able to use words correctly, and if we can use our words correctly, we can control the whole body. But he goes on to say in James 3, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. How many of you know somebody that every time they open their mouth, hell's coming? You know somebody like that? That's what James is talking about. That's our our natural, sinful, fallen nature response. Here's what Paul said. Colossians 3, Paul said, whatever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In other words, we need to be careful that what we say lines up with the nature of God. Now, I'm going to begin this morning in Galatians 5. going to read some verses there, and then we're going to Matthew 12. So if you've got a Bible and you want to get a head start, Galatians 5 and then Matthew 12. Here's Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Follow along with me. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. What he's saying here is if these things are ruling our hearts, it keeps us from violating the laws of God, especially in dealing with people. But he's also, if you read the previous verses, he's saying, this is the nature of God that God puts in us when we accept Christ as our savior. The presence of God in our lives, the presence of the spirit of God living in us brings the ability for us to produce the nature of God and release the nature of God. But there's always a war going on inside of us, fighting to whether we're gonna release God's nature Or my old, angry, sinful nature. And we all all fight that fight. And in Matthew 12, we're going to go to Matthew 12 in a couple minutes. Matthew 12, one of the things that Jesus says is a tree is known by its fruit. Now, again, this is a pastoral message today. So I want you to listen closely to this. Jesus was saying we are known by what our lives produce. Not what we say we believe. People around you don't care what you believe. They just care about how you treat other people. Your actions, your deeds. We're judged by the fruit of our lives. Well, I believe this and I believe this and I believe this. Well, what's coming out of your life? Is it that or is it something else? That's what Jesus is talking about here. Now, because I had to narrow this down a lot today, I want to spend just a few minutes and I want to talk about three things that Jesus said about our words So we're going to Matthew 12. Gonna start reading in verse 34. Look at three things with me. Verse 34. Jesus is talking to angry, nasty, religious leaders. We still got some angry, nasty, religious leaders in the church world today. I have been one of those. You know, let let me, some of you don't, are trying to figure that out. Let me me tell you a story real quick. Year and a half ago, we were told that churches need to stop having church because of the COVID that was spreading. So the government told us shut the church down for three weeks and then by then it'll all be over with. How many you are glad it was over with in three weeks? Aren't you glad for that? Now I know I just offended half the people in the building. That's okay, because we get through this message today, you'll understand where I'm coming from. So here's what happened, we shut down for three weeks and then it's like, well no, we need to go another month and then two months, and three. let me tell you what happened. We started having services, not live, recorded services every Sunday. So I, I preached to an empty building every Thursday or every Friday. We recorded worship to an empty building every Thursday night. I'd come up here on Sunday morning, I'd watch the service on, online, and then I'd go out and greet people coming for community care to get food. I had to have something to do on Sunday because my whole life has revolved around what happens on Sunday. And after about four weeks of that, I got really angry. Really, really angry. And I'm not a big guy. But I was looking for an opportunity to take the governor on. And now, now see, I, I just offended half the other people in the building. But stay with me. Because I believe... People have a right to assemble and worship God. And if they're putting their lives at risk, so be it. Church has been doing that for two centuries. It's happening today all over the world. So I feel like, you know what, that's all right. And I got so angry. I got really angry. And so some of my friends started having services. And I thought, I'm going to open up our church. (laughs) And I started praying about it and said, God, when do I open? And God says, you don't open right now. And some some of the people in our church, some of them are gone now. But they got mad at me because I wouldn't open the church. I kept praying, God, I want to open the church. And God said no. One week, I had an encounter with God while I was praying, and God really grabbed my heart. And I had to repent. I didn't write the governor an email or a letter, but I had to apologize to God for what what I thought about Him and some of the things I'd said about Him, because I was angry. I was angry. And as soon as I got through that time, about three days later, the Lord spoke to me and said, You can start having church now. <laughs> because the last thing God needed was an angry pastor up here yelling and screaming about everything going on in the world instead of preaching the Word of God. Now, now I don't know how I got off on that. But Jesus says, Brood of vipers, Matthew 12, verse 34. Brood of vipers how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks what jesus is saying is what's going on inside is coming out your mouth and what's coming out your mouth is what's going on inside that's what he's saying and number one jesus said that our words reveal what's really going on in our heart One day the disciples were saying, well, well, Lord, you shouldn't take this in, you shouldn't take that in, the law says this. And Jesus said, it's not what goes into you that defiles you, it's what comes out of you that defiles you. Because it comes from the heart. So, the words of my mouth originate in my heart. My inner condition is exposed when I open my mouth and I talk. Everybody smiled at me this morning. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Okay? And one of the challenges of Christian living is learning to allow the Spirit of God in us to shape the words that we speak. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control... Is that motivating my words or are there other things that are motivating the words that I speak? See, that, that's the dilemma we have as believers. This war is going on inside of us. But God wants us to win the war because every time I open my mouth and I say something harsh, it's coming from here. And, and here's what else happens. When we're under pressure and we get squeezed by whatever's going on in life, whatever's happening in our hearts comes rolling across our lips. And Jesus said, we need to be careful. We need to recognize that if there's bad stuff coming out of our mouths, it means there's bad stuff going on in our hearts. And that's where the problem is. That's why God says, I'll put the fruit of my spirit in you. I'll put my spirit in you, and the nature of God lives there, and you need to learn to overcome the old nature, win the war, and let the new nature produce things in your life, even the words of your mouth. Second thing Jesus says, look at the next verse, Matthew 12, verse 35. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things now how many of you think that maybe we need to pay attention to what we're putting in our hearts whether it's good or evil because what's going in is eventually coming out verse 36 then jesus say says but i say to you that for every idle word men may speak they will give account of it in the day of judgment every word next verse 37 Jesus says for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. So so the second thing I want you to notice, Jesus says that I'm going to answer for all the words that come out of my mouth. How many of you are ready right now to close in prayer and say God forgive me? (laughs) I'm going to give an account for even the idle words, the empty words, the useless words, the things that I say that shouldn't be said. Jesus says we're going to give an account for all of that. Which, which gives me this crazy idea. This is just me. You may not agree. But I got, kind of got the idea. Maybe I should think before I speak. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps I need to ask God to check my words while they're in my heart before they come across my lips. Have you ever known somebody that didn't didn't have a filter? Maybe we need to let the nature of God and the word of God be a filter in our lives. Maybe. Just maybe. And if if we knew Jesus was sitting in on every conversation we have, it would probably change the words that we speak. I tell you today he is he is sitting in on every conversation so, so maybe I need to consider what's coming out of my mouth and then well let, let me give an example of that I've been blessed with the gift of sarcasm <laughs> but I've I've been cursed with the quick wit and those two don't always go well together And I'm still working on it. I've been on a lifelong journey. I'm still working on it. But that's part of my journey, my human nature. Now, the third thing that Jesus says, and I'm going to go to Luke chapter 4. And What's happened here in Luke 4, this is when Jesus is first beginning his ministry. He's come out of the wilderness. He's been tempted of the enemy. He comes out in the power of the Spirit. He goes to his own hometown. He goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He begins to read and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to." And he explains what he's called to do. And evidently he shared some other things that day. When he gets finished in Luke chapter 4, verse 22, it says, speaking of the people, it says, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is this not Joseph's son what they did they listened to this and thought wow we, we knew this kid he, he grew up his dad's a carpenter but to listen to him speak he's not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people this guy speaks words that are gracious you know last Sunday morning Pastor Zach was talking about light and dark. I think it was last Sunday, Uh, maybe in the week before. He used the illustration of the woman taken in adultery, how Jesus met her right where she was and he had the right message for her to move forward. Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. There's two parts to that. But she needed to hear all of it. You can be released from the past and you can go to a better future. Those are words of grace. Even though they're words of truth, they're words of grace. And these people are marveling. They're like, wow. Wow, where'd this, where'd, where did this carpenter's son get all this stuff? Because he speaks with so much grace. Can I say it this way? Jesus spoke appropriately to the person in the situation. You see, what much of the church world has done in my lifetime is, the church world all set up here and said, okay, we're, we're complete, we're perfect, we're just like this, we believe this, 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 this. The rest of you are just starting out, you're back there, come up here and be with us. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to go meet people where they are. I'm going to speak words of grace, and I'm going to help them take their next step moving forward in God. That's the call on the church. And our words play a big part in that. And the third point is, in the midst of all the religious stuff going on, Jesus spoke words of grace to people unexpectedly. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we became known as people who speak words of grace and hope to an angry, unexpecting world, doesn't mean we don't speak truth, but we learn how to do it with grace. This is good this morning. I really like this. I'm going to send this message to the White House. They'll enjoy it. there. They'll, they'll appreciate it. And while I'm at it, I'm going to send it to the former president as well because he'll enjoy this. So again, I know I've offended everybody so we can move forward. (laughs) You see, we represent Jesus in the earth. And our words should reflect his divine nature, not our angry, fallen, sinful nature. Paul said it this way in Colossians 4. He's talking about speaking to and communicating with unbelievers. He says, let your speech always be with grace season with salt that you may know how to how you ought to answer each one meet them where they are and help move them forward don't meet them there and kick them backwards help them move forward from where they are and how many are on board with me so far today I'm sure three things Jesus said I hope you enjoyed my introduction because now I want to get to my message not really but I want to spend a few minutes and I want to really bring these thoughts Home to where we're living today. The arch enemies of Jesus were mainly two religious groups. Okay, first there's the Pharisees. I mentioned the Pharisees earlier in laughing, uh, a moment of frivolity. The Pharisees were self righteous, angry, judgmental, holier than thou people. And they were convinced that everyone was horrible going to hell except them. And Jesus had a lot of headbutts with those guys. The second group of people were the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection after death, so they lived with this long-term hopelessness in anger, and they were always arguing with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees argued with them, going back and forth, back and forth. And both of these groups were constantly pounding Jesus because in an angry atmosphere, Jesus had words of grace and hope for the future. Seems to me that those two religious groups are still in the church world today. How many are glad you're not a Pharisee? Come on if you don't raise your hand people think you're a Pharisee how many are glad you're not a Pharisee how many are glad you're not a Sadducee and you know these two groups are still in the church world today and boy are they angry boy do they talk a lot See, we're living in a a divided, angry world. I've shared this before. The the evil spirit that's trying to rule America today is division. We're a divided people. Everything you hear is to divide us. And in our world today, there are plenty of opportunities for conflict. Now, this is my opinion. This is not thus saith the Lord. But you can weigh this and figure it for yourself. But hear me for just a moment. In my opinion, in this social climate, all of the anger and the division, the American church as a whole is struggling to find its voice in society right now. And you're hearing so many things across the spectrum from the church. I think the church is struggling to find its voice. And as we struggle to find our voice, it's so easy to find ourselves repeating the hateful rhetoric of other people. When you don't know what to say and you get something thrown in your face, you're going to say something. Most people are. Except for those of you who are really spiritual and you've learned how to bridle your tongue. Most of us are going to say something. So what do we do? We repeat what we've heard somewhere. But here's the problem. Our principles can be right. But the way and the spirit with which we express our principles can be wrong. And as a result, our principles can be lost to the hearts of those who hear us speak. It's not always what we're saying, it's sometimes how we say it. Is it coming from there or is it coming from my anger? Let me me illustrate this to you. This is an extreme illustration, but it's true. In my early days of ministry, I had a pastor friend who moved to a different part of the country and started pastoring this church. And the area where he was and the church where he was, they were very much in the, all of the, uh, the church had been very caught up in all of the uh, demonstrations and yelling and screaming at the abortion clinics that was going on in those days. Now there's a principle there that I think most of us would agree with, But, but listen to this story. This pastor went there and, man, a lot of the church was all caught up in this and they're out picketing and they're out yelling and screaming and women come to these clinics and they're yelling and screaming and talking down to them, saying horrible things, calling them all kinds of names. And in the middle of all that rhetoric, their their principle may have been right, but the way they were approaching it was wrong. Because what happened in the church world is we didn't know it, but we were basically telling women who at some point in time in their lives would be hurting and carrying the weight of what they had done. We basically said to them, well, don't come to the church looking for help. What's it's quiet in this monastery this morning. So my friend went to pastor this church and he, he, in, he inherited all this stuff in the church. But a few weeks after he went there, someone in town bombed an abortion clinic. People got hurt. I think there was a couple people killed. You know who bombed the the abortion clinic? A 20 or 21 year old young man who'd been raised in the church, who'd had his heart and his head filled with all this hateful, mean rhetoric and it caused him to go one step beyond where the people were. So my friend, just taking this church, he has to deal with this major disaster, the press and everything else going on. Now, I use this as an illustration, but I want you to understand today. We're the church, and we're supposed to be speaking what Jesus believes, not what some angry guy believes somewhere. Amen, I'll amen myself. That was good. (laughs) And sometimes our actions are telling people, well, don't come to the church for help. You're going to be a sinner, you can just be a sinner forever. Don't look at us for help. We are the voice of hope for our society. And we need to be careful what we're saying and how we're saying it. You know, I started this message and everybody was really on board with me. And now all of a sudden, everybody's getting really quiet thinking about this. Here's the thing. There's a big difference between righteous indignation and unrighteous anger. Ephesians 4, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. It's okay to be angry about something, but we have to be careful what that anger does in us and does to us and does through us. Psalms 97.10 says, you who love the Lord hate evil. See, we're correct in hating evil, but we can be wrong to use our words to hatefully assault other people even when they're wrong. Come on, amen me as if the guy sitting down the row from you needs to hear this. I know you don't need to hear it, but somebody probably does. And boy, here, here's a topic in itself. I probably need to take a whole Sunday with this. Let me say it. Social media has given us a platform to vent our feelings. And then we hide behind the keyboard because nobody can assault us to our face for our words. But it's still our words, and I'm going to tell you something. I saw it again this week. Somebody in politics made some goofy statement, and before they could erase it off Instagram, somebody got a snapshot of it, so it lives forever. We need to we need to be careful, the words that come out of our fingers. Now, again, I, I have I have the. The gift of sarcasm and I, and I have the, the, the burden of carrying a sharp tongue. Years ago I got off of Facebook because two reasons. Number one, I have some relatives who are idiots. and <laughs> Some of them are watching today and they're all pointing at somebody else saying, yeah, it's them. <laughs> You say, well, I don't have any idiots in my family. Can I tell you something? If you don't have any idiots in your family, every family's got one. So if you can't find the idiot in your family, you're you're probably the one, okay? (laughs) Like I said, I have this gift. (laughs) And and the other reason I got off Facebook is because I had these people wanting to be my friend and they were sending me, you know, some of these young women were sending me pictures on Facebook that I didn't want to see. It's like, I'm a pastor. I don't need to be seeing this. I don't care how you look in a bikini. I don't need to know. I don't want your lingerie show. So I got off Facebook. I got off it. But listen closely to me. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, talking about the church, he said, you know what? Some of us are biting and biting and biting each other. It goes on. And if we're not careful, we're going to devour and destroy each other. we got to be careful. We need to stop biting each other and start loving each other and praying for each other. We got to stop this rhetoric now. I've only got a few minutes left, but how many even know that doesn't mean anything? <laughs> I've only got a few minutes left. I'm still right now. I'm still the most prominent voice for the Bridge Church, which brings me responsibility to God and responsibility to people. This morning, I dressed very intentionally. I wore the most loud, colorful shirt I have. Thank you. And, and I wore, these are the most narrow jeans that I have. I wore these one Sunday, and a friend of mine texted me between services and says, Man, you look good in those skinny jeans. And I said, Yeah, they weren't skinny jeans when I bought them, if you know what I mean. And then... One of my best friends in the whole world sent me these boots, these suede boots, and they're cool. If you don't believe it, ask somebody younger than you. They'll tell you they're cool. (laughs) But I I wore all of this intentionally today because this is going to be an illustration here in a minute. So stay with me. Let me first of all, the church is trying to find its voice. Let me tell you what the Bridge Church is and where we're going, okay? This will help everybody in the room, because if, if you don't like what I'm going to say, the Bridge Church will probably create other conflict for you. Now, listen to this. First of all, I want to talk about government and politics. <clears throat> I say this every four years when we elect a president. Your vote is your prayer. Don't pray for righteousness and vote for unrighteousness. Quit looking at personalities and start voting for platforms, because this is where candidates want to take our nation. I say that every year, and then I don't tell you who to vote for. I tell you to pray, because your vote is your prayer. <clears throat> a lot of us are screaming about our government. We've been screaming about the government for years. When I was a little kid, I was in like the second or third grade. I was standing out in front of the school one day before school started, and there's a bunch of boys around, second, third, and fourth graders. And this one kid was dropping F-bombs and language and cursing the president, talking about what a... I'm gonna date myself. What a horrible guy Eisenhower was. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, my my parents always honored the president. What in the world's going on here? I don't understand. It confused me. I didn't understand it. Had to go home and talk to my parents about it. So the last several years, I've heard so much talk about the government. And I have extremely strong political ideals. But when I get in this pulpit, politics is not my message the word of god is my message and i know not everybody thinks that's right and i'll get to it here in a minute if you preach the gospel it's going to change people's hearts if it changes people's hearts it will change the course of a nation but here's the deal we voted for this government well i didn't but we did as a whole Well, there was election fraud. Maybe so, but the final analysis, we voted for this, so this is what we've got for four years, okay? Well, are you saying, I didn't say anything. I just said this is what we got for, we voted for this. If you don't like it, three and a half years, uh, three years from now, you'll be able to change it, okay? But our vote is our prayer. We choose the direction of our nation as a whole, as a people. But here's what Christians are not understanding. Please, please, please hear me today. If you understand this, you'll understand how I address this topic. When Jesus is before Pilate and they're getting ready to take him to a cross and they're trying to decide, is he guilty or is he innocent? What are they going to do? And the Jews want to kill him. Pilate looks at Jesus and says, are you a king or not? They say, "You, you claim to be the king. Are you the king? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Some of us have got to understand that our national government, our state government, our local government will not always make godly decisions. And when that happens... Instead of us throwing a fit and start cursing and swearing and saying horrible things and printing out horrible things and typing things, we need to do what Paul said to do. We need to get on our knees and start praying for the leaders of our nation. Because, friend, I'm telling you, they need it. They need it. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have a right to express our opinion. If we want to demonstrate, we can do whatever. But as children of God, we've got to understand our words carry weight and we need to be careful what we identify ourselves with. Amen, Pastor Gary. I'm so glad you said that today. We, we got this thing mixed up. We, we thought the American flag was Jesus' flag. Well, I think there may have been a time when it was, maybe not so much today. But you know what? That doesn't change the kingdom of God and Jesus being king. He's still the king of all the kings, the Lord of all the lords. His kingdom is forever. And if the USA passes away, Jesus is still going to be the king. And I know I, I, I offended somebody in saying that. That's okay. We must understand the only way to change the direction of the nation is to change the hearts of people, which will change the way they vote. Which brings me to the next point. Boy, i got to really move fast. Whose words are influencing you? (laughs) We're talking about words. Whose voice is influencing you? You know what I've, I've seen in the last several months? People are like parrots. All they know is what somebody told them. Polly, want a cracker? Polly, want a cracker? Orange man, bad. Orange man, bad. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. We're in it all. See, like I said, I'm going to offend everybody today. I'm going to offend everybody today. Far be it from someone who claims the name of Christ to get caught up in all that. Who are you listening to? Who is your prophet? Is it Anderson Cooper? Or is it Sean Hannity? Is it Don Lemon? Or is it Tucker Carlson is it the women from the view who are you parody <laughs> or, or is it Rush Limbaugh what oh, I, I shouldn't have said that because some of us don't know what to say since Rush passed we don't know what to think see I'm, I'm trying to get a point across today We have got to get our perspective from the Word of God and understand we're living in a gone-godly world and we need to be preaching Jesus, not politics. Now, let 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 me give you a disclaimer since I'll be finished here in a few minutes. Let me give you a disclaimer. I believe there are some men who are called to speak real boldly and straightforward about godliness to the nation. I believe that. And i'm not gonna argue about somebody else's calling but when they get nasty and hateful and start saying mean things that don't display the nature of jesus i don't want to run with them i don't want to run with them boy i get i get fewer and fewer but i used to get emails and texts constantly from people check out this link check out this link and i'd go to it and it's just mean nasty hateful stuff so I just started taking people's numbers out of my phone and deleting email addresses and stuff cuz I, I don't want to hear it. This is where I get my thinking, not from some guy on TV reading a script. I get it from here. Let me before I move on, can I can I say one more thing here? Who's your Messiah? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Joe Biden? Is it Barack Obama? Is it one of the bushes? My Messiah is still Jesus. Kings and kingdoms will come and go. Jesus is here to stay. And some of us have got our thinking out of balance. Jesus is still the Messiah and God still has everything under control. And some of us look at the book of Revelation and we interpret it and we're fighting our best to try to keep Revelation from coming to pass. I'm going to stop these prophecies. I believe them, but I'm going to stop them. No, you're not. Like I said, I'm gonna offend everybody today. So the question comes down to this. Are you praying for our leaders? Are you praying that God will give them wisdom and direction? Paul said, pray that, that we'll be able to lead quiet, peaceful lives. That's what my prayer is. God, turn the hearts of our leaders so we can live quiet, peaceful lives and do the work of the kingdom and keep moving forward. That's my prayer. You need to stop praying, well, God, kill this one, and God, move that one, and God, drop a bomb on this. We need to stop being hateful, and we need to start speaking from there. It's really good. I'm, I'm almost finished, unless I, get, unless I get stuck on something. <laughs> I want you to look around the building today. Look around the building. Media, for whatever reason, is trying so hard to stir up tension between people groups. If you look around this room today, I have one thing to say. The church is not the problem, the church is the answer to the problem. The church is the answer. We don't have any problem here with people getting along. Well, there's more to it than that, I know that. I know that, and it's in the hearts of men. And your laws aren't going to change the hearts of men. Only God can change the hearts of men. Woke culture. I don't know how many rules I broke today, but I'm sure I broke a lot of them in my message. I I had a lady one time sent me an email. She was so upset with me and told me in my message, I committed several microaggressions. I didn't respond. You know why? Because I knew the next week I'd do the same thing again. So I, I, We have got to stop looking for reasons to fight with people. We've, we, the church, have got to let this thing lay down and quit looking for reasons to fight and start looking for reasons to love people. You're not going to fight people into the kingdom. You're only going to love them into the kingdom. Globalism. I'm going to make one quick comment about this. A lot of talk today about globalism. Globalism equals one world government is what it comes down to. A lot of Christians and how they interpret the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, believe that the Antichrist rises out of this last day one world government. Can I tell you something? You may agree, you may disagree, but let's stop being hateful to each other about what we think about the end times. Because people have a basis for what they believe. People interpret in times differently. And I'm going to tell you something. What you believe isn't going to make Jesus come before, in the middle, after, or somewhere down the road. Jesus is coming when Jesus is coming, regardless of what any of us believe. We just need to get on the fact that Jesus is coming and we need to get ready to meet him. Because that was his message. Get ready. Be ready. Only got two more. Somebody said Hallelujah vaccinations there are people in this building today who have been vaccinated there are some people who say i will never be vaccinated one of the problems we have in our society today is we now live in a culture in america where each side of the aisle does not want us to know all the truth about anything we're getting selective information If you think, and you've done your research, and you've studied both sides of the issue, if you think you need to get vaccinated, wonderful. Get vaccinated. If you think you don't want to and you don't need to get vaccinated, then don't. But why are we being so hateful about this? And one step beyond... I don't like the fact that the government's mandating you have to do this. Let me tell you why. I believe every individual has the God-given right to choose whatever medical care they receive. I believe that. I also believe it's constitutional right. But but as human beings, God created us with the right to make our own choices. Everybody listen, okay? I know doctors. I've talked with scientists who can tell you why you shouldn't get vaccinated media says the experts say this it's not true some experts say this some experts say this you need to get all the information pray over it, and make your decision and then we need to respect the decisions of others and stop beating each other up over this i have i have very strong opinions about this but you have a right to your opinion not one step further One of the things that we see in the book of Revelation, it pictures this government, where the day comes where this world government controls all buying and selling. And without the mark of the beast on your forehead or in your hand, your right hand, without the mark of the beast, you can't buy or sell. So when they say you're not going to be able to work, you're not going to be able to go to grocery stores without getting this vaccine, a lot of Christians are having trouble with that. I have trouble with it. But you know what? I don't know that this is the mark of the beast. I think it's a precursor getting us ready for it. But here's the thing, stop beating people up. Leave it in God's hands. God's the judge of all that. Let him work this stuff out. One more. I got to finish in about three minutes. It'll probably take me four. marriage sexual sin from the beginning of time in scripture God ordained marriage between a man and a woman any sin every any sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman any sex outside of that marriage covenant God calls it sin we want to single out one here and one there God calls it all sin so what do we preach we preach the sanctity of of the home and the family, the way God created it. We believe that's God's design and ideal for society. I don't need to preach every month about what's going on in our world. If you're a child of God, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. You need to live right and be an example to the world around you. And here's the thing. Just because people are confused about sexuality doesn't mean God is. And screaming at them is not gonna change their mind. And I know we live in the world today where if you disagree, you're a hater. You're a (laughs) hater. What's your words? Okay? What's your words? Finally, the, the very tail end of this. Paul said we need to speak words of grace rather than words that decay, break down. We need to build people up rather than tearing them apart. And Hebrews 12 says we need to learn to live at peace with all people and stop looking for reasons to have conflict. Doesn't mean we don't stand for truth, but we stop looking for reasons to drive people away from God. James 1, last verse. I think we've got it, James 1, 26. James 1, verse 26, James says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. I told you I wore these clothes very purposefully today. Because if, if you're in the building or if you're watching online, some of you are saying, but well, those are the stupidest looking boots. I can't believe a 55-year-old man would wear something like that. Well, those jeans, I can't, a man of God shouldn't be wearing jeans on Sunday morning, much less skinny jeans. They're not skinny jeans, they're narrow.
1: <laughs>
0: and that shirt, uh, those, this is the brightest shirt I got. That's why I wore it. Today. Well, that shirt looks so stupid. Can I tell you something? I, I don't care if you like the way I dress, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. If you're watching online and you're a Christian and you're on our Facebook page and you type in something like, well, the pastor's wearing the dumbest clothes today. What do you think unbelievers are thinking about the church when they see christians writing stuff like that online if you don't have something good to say something that'll build people up stop signing in on our facebook page we don't need it we don't need it and and that's about as mean as i ever get right there i mean that that's it (laughs) My my dad told me when I was a kid, he said, look at the way you're built. You need to be a lover, not a fighter. So I I learned that, yeah. I'm not going to fight with you. But I will stand on the truth of God's word. So I want to pray this morning. I want you to bow your heads. It's three minutes longer than I wanted to be. I want to pray. Father, start with me and check my heart. And help me to think before I speak. Help me to learn to think according to your word and speak words of grace, not words of anger and hate. Let the fruit of the Spirit motivate my words. Because our mission here is to reach a lost, dying world. It's not to build our government. It's to build the kingdom of God in people's hearts. So, God, I pray you'd speak to everyone in this building today. God, adjust our hearts, adjust our minds, adjust our thinking. God, I I pray you'd convict me. Convict me. When I come up to the line, I'm about to cross the line, convict me. When I'm talking to somebody who doesn't understand where I'm coming from, convict me and season my words with salt and grace. Even when I disagree, show me how to say what needs to be said. Sometimes... God, help me remember the best thing I can say is nothing. God, help us to remember. We're the voice. We're the voice of hope in this society. And we don't have to defend you. You're big enough to defend yourself. And God, I pray if there's anybody in this room who is struggling with the nature of God and where God is. And they've never committed their life to God. That you would grab their heart right now and just... Pull them up close. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today. And maybe you've never made the commitment to God of your whole life, and maybe, maybe you're saying, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is for me or not." But even though I preached on an unusual topic today, maybe something inside of you is stirring, and you're realizing this is real. This is real. If that's you, that that's the spirit of God. Knock on the door of your heart. If you're watching online and you're sensing the presence of God, and you're realizing. God's way is the right way god's trying to bring you into his kingdom into his family But he can't do it unless you give him permission You open your heart and ask him to come into your life I want to pray a prayer today and give everybody in the building everybody watching online an opportunity To open their heart to the lord. So i'm going to ask everybody Please pray this prayer with me right out loud Say god, I need you I open my heart to you Please come into my life I accept jesus Is my Savior I choose Jesus To become the Lord of my life Wipe away my past And give me a brand new life in you From this moment forward I want to learn your ways I want to follow you So you are now my Father And I'll be your child Love me and lead me In Jesus' name I ask it amen now here's the deal if you prayed that prayer it's the most important prayer you can ever pray if you prayed that from the bottom of your heart today and you mean that you prayed it with faith God will respond to the cry of your heart God will begin to lead you and direct your footsteps but here's the thing it's not the end of the journey it's just the beginning we've got a little tool a gift called the next seven days we want to give this to you because it'll help you get started walking with God so let us give this to you today when service is over we'll have prayer t- prayer teams on each side of the building down front Just walk up to one of those teams and say can I get the booklet if you've got questions They can help you if you want prayer for something else. They'll help you But please just ask for the booklet. We want to give it to you. No strings attached It'll help you get started building a relationship with god If you're in a big rush out in the lobby as you exit the glass doors right in the middle There's a counter set up there. You can get the same booklet there. Just stop and ask for it If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen as to how you can get this booklet electronically. We want to help you get started walking with God. Can we just welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you.
1: Hey, can we thank Pastor Gary for that message this morning? Before we conclude our service this morning, we're so grateful if you made that decision to follow Christ. Welcome to the family of God. Such amazing time to make a decision and do that. No better decision that you could ever make. And right now, before we go, we just want to take a moment and encourage everybody around our giving. We're going to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house. And I just want to take this moment to say thank you so much for your generosity and your faithful giving. The Bridge Church is what it is. We say this all the time. We are what we are because of a faithful God and faithful people. And our giving is just one way that we respond in worship to honor God, to put him first and say thank you, God, for being so generous And so faithful to me. So again, thank you for your generosity. Because of you, the work of the ministry, the taking of the gospel into our community through our partnerships across the country and church planting efforts, our missions partners around the world, we are doing that. And it's all because of your faithful generosity. There are several different ways that you can give on the screen. If you'd like to give today, if you want to bring your tithe and you came prepared to do that, you can grab uh, one of the envelopes on the back of your seat if you want to give a physical offering. You can drop it at one of the giving stations on either side of this first set of eggs doors before you exit the auditorium. You can also go in over near the kids' check-in area. There's also a drop box there where you can drop your giving as well if you'd like to do that, and then many, many uh, different ways that you can give digitally online. Either way, however you choose to give, we're so grateful for your generosity again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a very generous church. Hey, I hope that you've been blessed being in church today. Anybody had a good time today? We love you. Have a wonderful Sunday and an amazing week. We will see you next weekend. Bridgemen this coming Saturday at 8.30.